Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Our leading question is this. Do you think that more things are happening today or that we're just aware of more things? Do you think more things are happening or that we're just aware of more things? And the answer is yes. The pace of life is insane, but also the rate at which we can consume media is intense too. And so things are happening at such a rapid pace and we don't take time or get time to celebrate any of the good stuff. So we consume more negative and in what would be a post-pandemic or quarantine with mandates and things, it's really hard to celebrate the good things in life that used to just come naturally. And so even when we do have something to celebrate, it feels like a lot of us are celebrating alone or we're doing some type of drive-by celebration where there's so much distance. And really, I mean, we just missed that, the, the physical contact of a handshake, a high five, a hug, or something like that. And so then when you celebrate, even the things that you do get to celebrate or are happy about, it seems like you're doing them alone, which isn't very fun. And so the world has us trying to live at the pace of our cell phones, which is nearly an impossible task. And so at the same time we're trying to do that, we're overwhelmed by news and by media. And so every day there's something new and there's such a volume, there's such a volume of information that's causing a psychological and an emotional uncertainty in our lives. And this leads us to live in constant wonder of what's going to happen, what's going to happen, which leads us to play defense. And if you're not a sports person, I apologize for this, but it's, it's kind of the best way. When you, when you um, scheme up a defense to stop an offense, regardless of the sport, you have to chase a lot of what ifs. You chase a lot of ghosts. Well, I know that they've not done this, but what they could do out of this is this, this, and this. And so then we have to figure out how to stop all of these things. When reality says, well, we've seen them play and we know what they do, and 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 70% of the time they do this, and and you know, this is coming from a coaching background. So then we should really just prepare for this, for this. And we know that every time that the other team has the ball and and this guy does this, everybody has tendencies. We all have tendencies. And so when you're on defense, you almost ignore the tendencies. You know, and you're like, yeah. Yeah, that's good. But just because those exist doesn't mean that they, that they couldn't do or that this couldn't happen, that all of these things couldn't happen. So you spend a bunch of time on defense going, I don't know how we're going to stop all this. And what I want you to see today is that you don't have to stop anything, that God has given you the ball. He's given you the ball. He's given you the playbook. And he said, here, just run this. Just run this and this will work. If you'll just... If you just follow my instruction, the one thing that I was reminded of earlier, way earlier this week in my chair time was, um, and I was in Matthew, I was in Matthew, and uh, no, I was in Luke, it's Luke, and when I was in Luke, I see how Luke's kind of going through in the very beginning of Luke, he says, hey, here's the deal, I've gone through all this, and I'm going to share with you what is right. And he comes in with the assumption of, we all know Jesus and we all believe Jesus. And because we do, here's his instruction. And that's what I'm, I am guilty of. I just assume that when we gather on Sundays, that you're all with me, that you're all on the same page, that we all believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he is the savior of the world. And then, and because I believe that, I know that what we're looking for now is because we all believe that now we're looking to his instruction. What's the instruction? What's the instruction? The instruction is offense. And so God's given us this. He said, hey, 
don't you don't have to play the what if game or the wonder why game or or what's going to happen game you don't have to it's here and if you go to the end it says we have victory it says we win it says heaven prevails and so then today even as things happen at a incredibly crazy pace god wants you to play offense he wants you to lead your life as opposed to react to the life around you stop reacting the goal today is to stop reacting to the life and the things that are happening around you and focus on what God's given you. Play offense. Just play offense. And it's first down. And every day's first down, okay? And so even on fourth down, there's a way, okay? <laughs> At the same time, being overwhelmed by weenie, uh, media, what you need to know is uh, that we are slowly evolving into a theology, okay, that instead of being so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good, we are becoming so earthly-minded that were no heavenly good. And that's an old hymn reference. For those of you under 30, hymns used to look like this, and they would say, turn to page two, whatever, and you would sit there, and man, it was before screens, and, and we could put a worship video on, and you would actually sing it together, and we would all declare at the exact same time, on the exact same key, note, time, like this, and we would, man, and it used to light churches up, the old hymnal did. And so then we're evolving into a theology that instead of being so heavenly-minded, that we're no earthly good, we're evolving into or becoming so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. And that's not good. It's because we're playing defense. It's all around us. We're sitting back as the church, as the body, right? And so today I want to remind you that as children of God, as children of God, and make sure you hear this, you will not be forgotten. You will not be forgotten. We will not be divided and heaven will prevail. God's will will be done. God's will will be done. We need to remember this, that when we look to men for our answer, men are when we look to leadership, the leadership of the human race, when we look to men for our answer, we're going to fall flat and we're going to be disappointed every time. If you're taking notes, Psalms 146, verse three through five says this, do not put your trust in mortal man who cannot save. For when the spirit, when their spirit departs and they return to the ground, on that very day, their plans will amount to nothing. It says, happy is the one whose help is from the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Today, I'm not much on politics. I really don't pay attention to it um, because I feel like there's a, just a lot of distractions and you don't know what's what anymore with our news and our media. I'm not telling you not to do that. It's just something that we at our house choose to do, and we choose not to uh, incorporate it into the church because it causes division. And so what I want you to see today is this. It does not matter who's in office. It does not matter who's in office. They will not be our answer. Stay with me. They will not be our answer. We have one person who's our source, okay? And we have one person that we're to look to for answers. We have one person to look to to redeem society. It's our Savior. There's one Savior, okay? Jesus is the only person we're to look to. He says, hey, here it is. Here it is, okay? And if we're foolish enough to argue with each other and argue with our brothers and sisters over issues that divide us, especially who's in office, we're missing the kingdom. We're missing the kingdom because we've lost our focus. We've lost our focus. And so then, putting your trust in mortal man who cannot save will let you down every time. 
what I want you to understand or see is we're not looking for the right man or woman to lead. The right man is looking to us to lead. The right man who's seated at the right hand of God, 30,000 feet, is looking to you. He's looking to me to lead. We can't sit in uncertainty of wondering who, who and what and how and where. That's playing defense. God said, you got the book. You got the book. Go. And so today's message will be special. So stay with me. If that that little saying right there is not your cup of tea, it's not mine either. But I feel like super important that we have to address that and say this. So Dusty, are you telling me not to get involved in all that? No, I'm not. No, I'm not telling you not to get involved in it. But what I am saying is get as involved as you want. Get as involved as you want. Just don't let it get in the way. Don't get to the place where all of your decisions hinge on something someone says. Don't get to the place where all of your decisions hinge on who sits in office, right? Because every person on this planet is fallible and they will disappoint you. And they will disappoint you. Only Jesus has never disappointed. Only Jesus has never disappointed. And so two scriptures that I want to introduce you to um, that are going to support the message um, are huge. They're found in Proverbs. And I say these because I don't want to assume anything. And so I could jump right to the fourth page where the message really begins. But if, if I jump there, I'll assume that we all, that we all know what I know and, or what I believe or what I believe God's put on my heart. And so I don't want to do that. And so this is all scaffolding for the message. And so make sure that you're engaging and taking notes because I don't want to assume anything. If there's anything, if there's one thing my dad taught me, don't assume, right? Don't assume. We all know what that does. And so Proverbs 29, 25 says, a person's fear sets a trap for him. Playing life on defense, living in reaction mode. A person's fear sets a trap for him, but the one who trusts the Lord is safe. Offense, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. With all of your heart. With all of your heart. If you're taking notes, here's what I want you to see today. The biggest thing that, that, that we have came to thus far as this, or come to thus far as this. Don't allow the circumstance to become the focus of your attention. When the circumstance becomes the focus of your attention, you lose focus of what's important, and you start listening to all the things that have to do with the circumstance that are keeping you from living on offense, that are keeping you from leading your life. The circumstance is a distraction to keep your focus off of what it needs to be. Okay? So today, if you're struggling mentally, if you're struggling mentally, this is important. The Bible says that the key to mental health is thanksgiving. Write that down. The key to mental health is thanksgiving. If you're struggling emotionally today, you are drained. You're drained. The Bible says the key to emotional health is rejoicing. It's in here. It's in here. I'm going to show you. So if you have your notebook or you say, I'm not taking notes today, but it's there, grab it. If you don't have it, get it. Okay. If you struggle with these two things, mental health or emotional health, I want you to write these scriptures down. There were four and this morning, God gave me the fifth one, which pulls them all together, which is just amazing. And so here's what you need to do. Don't just write these down. Don't just reference them. Read them, read them. If you struggle, if you're struggling in these two areas, you need to understand that faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing and that you believe you more than you believe me. 
And so you're going to have to talk yourself into it until you believe it. You're going to have to talk yourself into it until you believe it. Colossians 3.15 is the first one. It says this, let the peace, peace being a key word. Peace is going to be later in the message. So make sure you write, highlight, whatever. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful and be thankful. And what you need to see is thankfulness brings peace. Thankfulness brings peace. Worry brings doubt. Thankfulness allows me to live life on offense because I see who God is. I remember who God is. And your memory is your motivation. So it brings you happiness. Peace, peace, peace. Thankfulness brings peace. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Worry brings doubt. Thankfulness keeps the focus off of you and on who God's been or what God's done for you. Worry, you're all you can think about, and it's just circumstance, right? 1 Timothy 4.4 says, For everything God created is good. Excuse me. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if if it is received with thanksgiving. It being the key term. Be thankful for it, and whatever it is will be good. That's what 1 Timothy 4.4 says. Psalms 28.71 will be the third scripture. It says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts. And I am helped. My heart exalts. And with my song I give thanks to Him. When I am in the middle of a storm, God reminded me of this two weeks ago. When I am in the middle of the storm, the number one thing, the best thing I can do is to worship. Worship gets my focus off of me. Be thankful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thessalonians 5.16 is the fourth one. It's Thessalonians 5.16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Offense. Play offense. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Get back on top emotionally because when you're emotionally drained, you start making decisions based on those emotions, right? And so rejoice always. Pray continually. Pray continually. What does that mean? Talk to God. Just say, hey, man, God, I know you see this. I need a little help. Help me to see. I was talking to a guy this week and and he said he was getting a new lease and his paperwork was wrong. and and, And I said, do you find that that happens a lot? That like, it's just the details have been overlooked and... And that frustrates me because, because I don't like to live in that world. I'm a pretty detailed guy and, and I love structure. And so I said, do you feel like it happens a lot? And he said, you know what? He said, it does happen a lot. But he said, I'm just, I've just learned to ask God. God, help me who I need to see in this situation because I believe it's presented with an opportunity. And so it could be negative and it could be frustrating. It might be one of those things that just sends you over the top because it's the 113th thing that happened today. And for me, I've always just been like, man, I'm just so sick. Can't we just get it right the first time? And the reality is, is if you choose to look at the opportunity and say, okay, Lord, chuckle, you know, rejoice. All right, cool. Cool. Lord, help me who to see here. What am I missing? What do you need me to see? Because obviously you need me, you need me to work here or you want to work here and you need me to be willing to essentially walk before you and just, and just trust you. And so Lord, help me to see. And most of the time it's a conversation or encouragement for the person that's doing that, that's actually you know providing whatever it is, and so then why? Let's see why these why these four scriptures. 
James 1, 2, and 3, it hangs above my desk. It says this, count it all joy. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. Are you in a trial of a various kind right now? Rejoice. Rejoice because you're doing something right. You're doing something right. If you weren't under fire right now, if you weren't under pressure, if you weren't, if you're not going through a trial, that means you're comfortable. And that means that the devil's happy with right where you're sitting. And so then count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You get a little bit better. You drive the ball down the field. You drive the ball down the field because faith comes by hearing and doing, right? And so then we're getting there. All right. And so then let me lighten this up a little bit, okay? I'm going to share a little victory, victory for, for, with you from this week. And so um, Thursday, I was, uh, I was thinking, man, it sure would be nice to have a glass of sweet tea. Okay. I haven't had coffee this week. I'm just, I need some flavor. I'm getting bored with water already, which isn't good. And have you ever thought of something that you really wanted? You really want it to happen. You ever thought of something like that and then it happened? Yeah, right? So Thursday night, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, man, I'd, I'd sure love a glass of sweet tea. And, and for some reason with 86 kids, we're always out of something in the kitchen, right? So it wasn't possible. And, and um, I thought, man, a glass of tea would be good right now. And I get a text, not even an hour after I had that thought, and just says, check your doorstep, check your doorstep. And not to just, you know, give White all the credit because that's not why he did it. White had no clue what he was doing when he, when he did this, but he left a gallon of sweet tea on my front porch. I never even voiced, I never even voiced wanting a glass of tea to Heather. It was just something that was inside of me. And I was like, man, it'd really be nice to have a glass of sweet tea. I just want to relax and kind of, kind of check out for a minute and just kind of just enjoy what's around me, glass of sweet tea. And White had no clue that that was on my heart. I didn't ask him, but he was out and he was, he just says, check your doorstep, check your doorstep. And so guess what? And I had that glass of sweet tea and it was amazing. And it brought a smile to my face. Not the smile that Heather brings me or my kids bring me, but pretty close. Cause it was just like, yeah. And we all need those things to happen. They don't happen all the time. I can't tell you the last thing, the last time that happened. When those things happen, what you need to, um, what you need to understand is that God, this is a big point, that God understands your heart. He knows your heart. And so the meditations of your heart are louder in heaven than your voice is here on earth. The meditations of your heart are louder in heaven than your voice is on earth. And this is something that, that was taught to me and it was just brought to my memory. God knows your heart and he wants for you what you fail to even express for yourself, what you fail to even get out in words. He already knows. And even though you never get to express it, he hears you anyways. He hears your heart. He knows your heart. And so good to have victory like that. And so you would say, Dusty, how does, how does all that pertain to today? And what I hope that you see in these scripture references that I, that I was going to assume that we're all believing for and on. What I hope that you see in these, there, there might not be peace around you. There might not be peace around you, but there is peace in you. God wants peace in you. God wants peace in you. It's just see a typo, sorry. God wants peace in you. And so 
if you'll be thankful for who he is and what he's done for you, for who you have, and if you'll celebrate them, those are the first steps to getting back to living on offense, to getting back to leading and, and forgetting because God wants peace in you. There might not be peace around you, but to have peace in you, I mean, it's going to start with thanksgiving. It's going to start with rejoicing for who God is and what he's done and who he's given you. Man, when I go with that and that becomes my focus, great things happen, right? And so then we start to live on offense. And so this week, <clears throat> this week we're going to be five months into uh, this pandemic when quarantine started. I know that because Axton turns five months old this week. And uh, we came home the day after the day after he was born, we came home and, and quarantine started. And so then uh, this is a picture that um, that was posted by the helm here in Gross Point Farms. And so many of us have been on a terrible roller coaster ride. And I just thought this picture was so fitting. It says, if 2020 were a hula hoop, <laughs> this is what it would look like. And as you see this, it's, it's quite humorous. And so it's really been like that. And we've all had a turn on that hula hoop and we're all in line. At least we all believe we're in line to uh, have our second turn because we can't see around the corner. We can't see what's around the next turn. Remember, Hebrews 11 says, man, faith is what is not seen. And so then trust, trust, trust. And so then knowing that this is how it's been, that this barbed wire hula hoop is how it's been. How do we respond? How do we respond to that? And you're going to respond one of three ways when you find yourself in a hula hoop that's made out of barbed wire, right? When you find yourself on a terrible ride, when you find yourself in a tough circumstance, how do you respond? And there are three ways that, that most people tend to respond. Everybody doesn't fit in this. It's not a box. But the, the majority of people just get lost in a state of confusion. We just get lost in a state of confusion. It's easy to do. And what you need to know about is whatever you think about is what you feel about. And what you think about and what you feel about ultimately leads to what you do about. What you think about and what you feel about ultimately leads to what you do about, right? And so if we're in this state of confusion, that leads us to be on defense where we're playing the what-if game, right? And that produces feelings, and then we let our feelings determine our actions. And most of the time, our self-talk decides that for us. Our self-talk decides what we're going to do. And what I have, the question is, who... Are you consulting with about your emotions and your decisions? Who are you consulting with about your emotions and your decisions? We taught our kids yesterday morning around breakfast, Proverbs 8.35. Proverbs 8.35 says, whoever finds God finds life and wins favor with the Lord. And so then my question to our kids was, how do you find life? You find God. How do you find a peaceful life? You find God. Well, how do you find favor with God? You honor God. How do I honor God? Ask does this decision honor God? Does this honor God? Am I being, am I, what would a great son do? What would a great daughter do? What would a great husband do? What would a great mom, wife, is it? What would a great brother do, right? It's easy to get lost in your emotions, especially when they're connected to so much media, so much unrest around us. It's easy to get lost in emotion. You see a video, up, news, down. Another funny video, up, news, right? Another restaurant's going to close and, and they're adjusting their hours again. Now my favorite place doesn't give me the burger that I want. Like, what am I going to do, right? And so then it's easy to get lost in your emotions. And when you do that, you're checking out of, of this, 
right? God says, trust, trust, trust. I gave it to you. Trust it, all right? The second thing we do is we check out. We check out. A lot of people do this. Just check out. Put our head down. Put our head down and just like, <laughs> I ain't even looking. And then we just hope. We hope that when we pick our head up, it's over. And the reality is it hasn't been over for a while. And so then the third thing we do is we push through. This is type A people. We just bulldoze, man. Put the big bucket on. We're moving forward. And we bulldoze. And right now, even these people are exhausted. Even these people are exhausted. And regardless of which one you identify with, the reality is we have to answer the question, how are we going to move forward? How am I going to move forward? How am I going to make it? How am I going to make it? Thank God for the Bible. Aren't you thankful for the Bible this morning? Goodness. Here's why. There's nothing, there's nothing that we're experiencing today that people in the Bible did not experience. It might be called something else. It might have been led by somebody else. But there's nothing in here that we're not, that we're experiencing that hasn't already been experienced. So it's in here. It's in here. And so if you will, go to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. This is, you guys, if, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you know, this is the story of the people of Israel being delivered after 400 years. After 400 years of just God-awful life. Okay? So we're going to pick up in Exodus 14, 9. It says this. It says, The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his horsemen, his army, they all chased after the Israelites, and they caught up with them as they camped by the Red Sea. At this point, the Israelites are in a tough spot, right? We're in a tight spot, just like George Clooney in Oh Brother, Where Art There, except there was no humor here. And as they look, they realize, we can't go through the river. And they look to the right and they look to the left and, and they can't go around the river. And they look back and they see 600 plus chariots, an army. And they say, we dang sure can't go back. We dang sure can't go back. And when you find yourself in the place of the Israelites, when you find yourself in that place, how did you get there? How did you get right there? How do you get right where you're sitting today with everything that's happening in your head and everything that's happening in your heart? In coaching, we say we either lead it or we allow it. And that's really how Heather and I lead our house. What happens in our house is led or it's allowed. That's it. We're not parenting geniuses. Just found that out really quickly. We're going to lead what happens we're going to allow what happens. Okay. And so then one of three things happen. Okay. For you to find yourself in this predicament. One, you made a poor choice. You made a bad decision or you've made bad decisions. Two, somebody else made a dumb choice. Somebody else made a bad decision. Somebody else told you something. Somebody else is putting you in this circumstance. Or number three, God led you there. God's led you here to this point. And so then, you made a bad decision, somebody else made a decision, or God led you. And so what you see with the Israelites is God had led them there. And because he led them there, he wasn't going to leave them there. He wasn't going to leave them there. If you trust God with your life, you need to look to him. 
not around you, not in you. Oh, crap, what am I going to do? No, no, no. Hebrews 11, remember the scripture we're with, right? Can't see it, but it's there. Can't see him, but he's there, right? God leads you. And so, remember, God has a plan. He wins. Heaven prevails. And so, what's the plan? What's the plan? Exodus 14, 13. What's the plan? How do I get back to offense? How do I get the ball back? How do I get back to playing offense? What's the plan? Here it is. God spoke to Moses and he said, tell the children of Israel what to do. What to do. So in Exodus 14, 13, we see Moses said, do not be afraid. Highlight that. Stand firm and you will see the Lord fight for you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. You need to hold on to your peace. 14, you need to hold on to your peace. In verse 15, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying to me? Tell the Israelites to move forward. Tell them to move forward. We all know what happens. Boom, we walk. Four things, four things to help you get back on offense today. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. Hold your peace. Move forward. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. Hold your peace. Move forward. Ah, yeah, yeah, Dusty. Easier said than done. Yes, it is. So let's, let's discuss. Yes, it is. Let's discuss. Fear. No messing around here. When quarantine hit, the first thing that went through my mind was fear. Lots of what ifs, man. We're homeschooling our kids. We're remodeling a house. We were meeting. We're not allowed to meet anymore. I've got to fix I've got a, I've got a film, a video. If you look at the first video that we did online, I did it from my kitchen table at four in the morning because church must happen, right? And so lots of what ifs, lots of what ifs. But what I had to realize is where God has led me, he will not leave me. Where God has led me, he will not leave me. If God's in control of your life, if you follow God, if you trust Jesus, you're following Jesus. Where he's led you, he will not leave you. Do you know that the phrase fear not is used 366 times in the Bible? That's one for every day, including leap day, just in case. Just in case, 360 times. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't believe that's a coincidence. Why is fear the first thing that hits you when um, adversity comes when it, when difference comes, it's the enemy's number one tool. He's been using it since the beginning, right? Fear fills you with lies. It fills you with what ifs fear asks you dumb questions that you feel like you need to answer. It's all happening upstairs. What am I going to do? And Romans 10, 17 says faith comes from hearing the message and the message comes through the preaching of Jesus. So more faith, more faith is less Fear, less of me, more of him. Trusting him, not myself. And I trust myself. I'm going to even let myself down, right? So we read earlier. Remember, you believe you more than you believe me. That's why speaking the word builds your faith. You actually, it's audible. You speak it and you hear it. And it gets planted in your heart. You need to speak it. You need to say it loud. Again, you do it and do it and do it and do it. 
And the more you proclaim it, the more faith you have. And the more faith you have, the less fear plays a role in your life. The more you get to play offense, right? Number two, he says, stand still. Why does he say stand still? If an army of 98,000 batrillion people were coming towards you, you would want to run for your life. That's what we all want to do. Oh, this is uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what's going on. Run! Run! Fire, right? Throw everything and just book it. But what's God say? Stand still. What you need to see is standing in the Bible is never passive, residing in your circumstance. It is an active posture. Stand. Stand still. It's an active posture of expectancy of faith in God and in his word. Stand. Stand. When you're standing, you're believing any moment God is going to move. Isn't that Hebrews 11 in action? When you're standing, any moment God's going to move. When you're sitting, when you're sulking, you have no clue who's going to show up. You're just praying nobody comes. You need a break. Stand firm. He says, fear not, number one, stand still, number two. Ephesians 6.13. Ephesians 6.13, this is a great reference for this. Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he attacks. And when it's all over, you will still be standing up. Offense. How? Fear not. Stand firm. Where are you rooted? Where are you rooted? Stand firm. Stand firm. When you stand in God's word, you're resisting evil. You're resisting all the negative. You're resisting all the crap that comes against you. When you stand firm, you're saying the external things do not matter. I'm standing in who God is and on what he's given me, right? When you stand on God's word and in him, that's your promise, okay? What's my promise? Your promise is Psalms 23. Psalm, your promise is Psalms 23. If you know this, say this out loud with me right where you sit. If you don't, you can look it up. But let's proclaim it together. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life daily. I'm going to add that in there. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for he is with me. He is my rod and my staff. And they comfort me. And they comfort me. Just for some crazy reason, you have a staff there, okay? Just want to make that. You might need to walk through the river at some point, right? He is. He is with you. He's your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. What causes your cup to overflow? Thanksgiving and rejoicing. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Stand still on God's word. Stand still on God's word. Number three, hold on to your peace. We're coming to a close. Hold on to your peace. Hold on to your peace. What's that mean? Hold on to my peace. Like no peace right now. It's crazy. Peace in the Bible has nothing to do with your external environment. 
Peace in the Bible has nothing to do without, with all of this, okay? It's nice to have external peace. It's nice to have all the ducks in a row, everything lined up and everything just to be great. It's nice to have that. But biblically, when you have the peace of God in your heart, you can stand in the midst of the storm and the storm is not in you. It's all around you. Stand firm. Hold on to your peace. When I have the peace of God, there's no storm in me. Here or here. Standing firm. I'm holding on to the peace that I have that's built on this, in this. Man, I've waved the Bible like 87 times a day. Peace has nothing to do with the stars aligning, hitting all the green lights on the way to work, avoiding all the potholes, the construction zone uh, being wide open and you having a free, a free ride, right? God's peace is what Paul was talking about when he said, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. That's in Philippians. God's peace is in you. It's in you. The peace God's want, God wants for you surpasses your cognitive understanding. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. The greatest witness, here's the thing, here's how you, here's how you keep that peace. You know if you are or you're not. When, when the storm hits, if you really want to know, if you really want to know or see who somebody really is, apply a little pressure. Just apply a little pressure. What happens? The greatest witness of who you are in Christ is who you are in the storm. It's who you are in the storm. I challenge the church right now, pastors, leaders, anybody. Do not sit back. Let's get on offense. Let's get on offense, right? Let's get on offense. And so then, it's easy to see what happens when the storm comes. It's really easy to see who people are when the storm hits. What leads, what tends to lead in that? Fear. Fear not. Stand firm. Hold on to your peace, right? It's real easy to let go of your peace, isn't it? It's amazing how quickly we let go of our peace, especially when we listen to the chaos around us. And if you've gotten good at blocking out the chaos around you, then what about traffic, right? What about um, the post that comes across your, your feed? What about the news? What about another mandate? We're all, you know, across the country, we're all getting mandates. How do you do with that? What are you rooted in? Where's your peace? What are you standing in? Fear not. Fear not. Stand firm. Hold on to your peace. Your peace. It's easy to lose it. It's easy to lose it. Focus gets shifted, right? The last thing that God told Moses, he said, tell them to move forward. He says, don't whine. Don't complain. Arnold Schwarzenegger in kindergarten cop says, stop your whining. Right? That's what he says. Come on, man. Get it together. He says, don't cry to me. Move forward. Move forward. God's telling all of us that right now. Move forward. Move forward. How? Walk. Psalms 23. We just read it together. How do I walk? One step at a time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You heard that before? One step at a time. Trusting. Hebrews 11. What we said this morning. Without fear. Standing firm. Holding peace. Back on offense. Moving forward. We are marching down the field, the court, the who cares. The ice. Move forward. 
Don't look behind you. Don't look around you. Look in front of you. It's There's a step there. There is a step there. Trust it. Trust it. Don't look to December. Look to this afternoon. Look to this afternoon. What's for lunch? Trust your kids, man. They know. <laughs> they know how far down the road to look. What's for lunch? What are we doing after lunch? Okay. What are we doing tonight? When's bedtime? There. After this afternoon, tonight. After tonight, tomorrow. Tomorrow morning. God's given you enough. You have enough. You have what you need for today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Tomorrow has enough, it says. Tomorrow has enough. Today will take care of itself. God will always, always, always take you through. Where he leads you, he will not leave you. Fear not. Do not fear. Stand firm. Stand firm. Hold on to your peace and move forward. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.